0: The book of Romans. Someone called it the book that changed the world. Because really, if you only had to choose one book of the Bible, and you don't have to, but if you had to, it would really be hard to leave the book of Romans on the table. That's a great book of the Bible. It's broken down in several categories. Chapters one through three speaks of sin. All have sin and come to now come to the come, come short of the glory of God. The second section talks about salvation. God's answer to sin is forgiveness in His wonderful Son, Jesus Christ. And it's by faith. And then the next section is about sanctification. Chapter 6, 7, and 8 is about the sanctified life, being clean and set apart. I had the joy to talk to folks. If you are not a member of our church, but you are interested in membership, going to the membership class tonight at 5 o'clock right over here in my office would be a great step for you. Even if you do not choose to do it, I think it gives you the information you need, and you'll be glad you did. I think it would be very helpful. The folks were there this morning, I enjoyed being with them. We talked a little bit about the sanctification process. And then chapters 9 and 11 speak of the sovereignty of God in respect to salvation and to His nation, the nation of Israel. God is not done with Israel. He has a plan for Israel for the nations. And then chapters 12 through 16 is about service the Lord, and, and are really our testimony in this wicked world. The world is not getting better and better, it's getting worse and worse. The Bible tells us that men will get more and more evil, deceiving themselves and deceiving others as well as we go along. And I don't care who our next president is, the world's going uh, into the funnel of God's judgment very quickly. And it's not something to be afraid of, it's something to say, you know what, what does God want me to do? This is our time, we've been so blessed, let's do what we can to make an impact for the Gospel's sake. Let's live more holy, let's live more justified, let's live more sanctified in our life. Let's present our bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord. And beginning in verse number 12 He is talking about having a righteous testimony in a wicked world. It begins with dedicating our life to the Lord. It continues on to being separated, not conformed to this world. It goes on to evaluating how God wants us to live and using our gifts in humility and service and and holiness to God, loving the Lord without dissimulation, abhorring those things which are evil, but cleaving to those things which are good. It teaches us to have a testimony of forgiveness, a testimony of kindness to other people. Because your sermon whispers, but your life shouts. What you and I say is one thing, what we do is another thing, but if our, if our lips and our life don't match, we're going to cause a real confusion in an unsaved world. I was talking to a man one time, I think I've told you this, but he was driving, he was a Christian, and his unsaved friend was riding with him. They'd been friends for years, and his unsaved friend said to him, He said, You know, I wish I knew how to have my sin forgiven. I wish I knew how to go to heaven when I died. And my friend who was driving a car, his name was Troy, he said, well I know that. He said, how do you know that? He said, I'm a Christian. He said, you are? His good friend couldn't, didn't even know that he was a Christian. And it's because he failed to give a testimony of the Lord. And that's really important, friend. In your neighborhood, at your work, you're not only representing you and your family, you're representing God. You're representing your dad and your mom. You're representing the Lord Jesus Christ. You're representing a church family. Wherever you go, no man's an island. He doesn't live to himself, he doesn't die to himself. We'll see that in next week's chapter 14. But we need to be a testimony in our community, and Apostle Paul, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, is telling the people listen, Number one, in chapter 13, I want you to be a testimony by honoring your civic leaders. Honoring those who are over you in government. God created three institutions. Number one, He created the Christian home, the home with Adam and Eve. In chapter six of Genesis, and and uh, he gave rules. If a man kills someone by that man's blood, he should be shed for his for his killing. So he 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 now lays down laws that someone has to to give some justice to going on, and he created civil government, and then he created another institution, and that's the local church. God gave us three things so we could be stable in our life. Number one, he gave us the wonderful word of God, the Bible. Aren't you glad we have the Bible? Whenever someone gets saved, they get the Holy Spirit to live inside them. Now the Spirit of God lives inside. Before I got saved, He lived outside of me. And there may be some people listening by way of the radio or watching on live stream or maybe in this building. And you know and God knows you're not saved. The Holy Spirit is not in you. He's outside of you. And and you need to believe and receive Jesus. And when you receive Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible tells us that after we heard the Word of God and we believe, the Holy Spirit of God seals us with that Holy Spirit of promise. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside. And then God gave us another thing to be stable in a Christian life His Word, His Spirit, and then His body, the local church. And uh, there's nothing to argue about about His Word, It's, it's perfect. You don't have to worry about His Spirit, it's holy, it's God. Well, the church is not perfect because you go there. (laughs) If you ever find a, a perfect church, do them a favor. Don't join it. We'll mess it up, won't we? No, the church isn't perfect, but it is God's plan to have a vibrant Christian life. God didn't say you're lions, tigers, and bears. He didn't say you're a herd. No, he said you're a flock, you're sheep. Sheep never do well one-on-one, and if you think you can live the Christian life successfully outside of the local church, I think you're drinking your bathwater. You're crippled too high for crutches. You're not looking to the Word of God, because God, it's His idea, and it's the body of Christ. And when you, when you decide, you know when I'm putting my life and influence in the local church, what you're saying is, I'm identifying with Christ. I'm submitting to instruction. I'm exposing myself to inspiration, encouragement of other people. I'm involving myself in the work with the Lord, and I'm investing my life, my talents, my treasures into eternity. And that's done in the local church. I don't think you can draw it up any other way. God wants every Christian to be faithfully engaged and investing and inspired and instructed in the local church. And I'm glad you're here. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. But thank you for being here. Thank you for being involved. And don't be satisfied just to sit and soak in messages. Don't just feel like you you killed a big one and knock your you know break your arm patting yourself on the back because you can be in church. Everybody, every saint ought to be a servant. Every member ought to be a minister. There ought to be something you do, something I do every week outside of our local church assembly for the glory of God. The one reason we come here is not just to, to learn; it's to be stimulated. To go outside the walls of this this auditorium. Buildings don't change lives, but what happens inside them do. And there ought to be something going on inside of you and inside of me every time we assemble with our Sunday school teacher, with our our church on Sunday morning. Tonight Brother John Barnes is going to be preaching. When he preaches there will be something going on inside of us that will give us uh, the provocation from the Holy Spirit of God to do something. The Bible says don't just be hearers of the Word, deceiving yourself. But be doers of the Word. He says someone who goes to church on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and they hear what the preacher says, but they don't do what the Bible tells them to do. And they don't respond to the Holy Spirit. He says that's like a man that wakes up in the morning, or a woman wakes up in the morning and looks into the mirror and sees what they see. And it's not a pretty thing. Hair is going every which way but loose. Boogers in the eyeballs. Lines on the face. And then look in the mirror and say, I think I'm taking on the world. And walking out without making any adjustment. When God gives us the Word of God, He gives it to us so we can say, hey, there's something wrong. You've got dirt on your face. You've got something wrong. Your hair is sticking up. For some of you, that's not not really possible. But uh, nonetheless, for those of us who have a little hair, our hair is messed up. Something's not right and we fix it. And then we can take on, and then we can operate in in our bridled speech, in a benevolent spirit, in a blameless separation uh, for the Lord in our walk with the Lord. Well, Apostle Paul says number one, if you are going to have a good testimony you are going to need to honor your civil authorities. Let's look at verse number one. Can we please? We are going to walk through this chapter as soon as I can in the next few minutes we are together. Romans chapter 13 verse 1, Let every soul, how many does every mean? Everybody, be subject, or come underneath the higher powers. Speaking of government powers here, for there is no power but of God. So, God is the, the ultimate power, and He's, if you've got a mom and dad, that's, that's, that's your power, that's your immediate power. Young people that rebel against your parents and think you know more when you're 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, you already know what's right and wrong, even though you've been raised differently, God help you. You think you're winning, but you're losing. You're walking right into satanic opposition because of rebellion and idolatry. Don't do that. That's your immediate power. But now he's saying the higher powers, those who are government powers. He said, I want you to be subject to them. Verse number why? Because God is at the top of them. Whosoever, therefore, resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. So if you resist your government authorities, who are you resisting here, according to this passage? The Lord. He said, "'Because they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation or judgment.'" Verse 3, "'For rulers are not a terror to good works.'" He said, is, and this is a general teaching, okay? We all know about Pol Pot's and Stalin's and, and uh, some of the, the horrible dictators of Castro's and other people down through time. And there will be with every command sometimes, you know the Bible tells us, it gives us in the book of Acts where the Bible, they were, the people were told, don't speak in Jesus' name again. He said, well you have to judge yourself. But there's someone higher than you that's given us a command. And uh, we ought to obey God rather than man. There is that in there. But this is general testimonies for things that are not necessarily, thus saith the Lord. Okay, so He's telling us that. Look if you would please at verse number 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works. You do the right thing, uh, they're not your enemy. When I'm driving the speed limit, I can just wave at the police officer going by, right? When I'm going 15 miles over the speed limit, then I'm scared to death. Terror is my problem right there. I'm I'm slowing down, I'm breaking, and I'm making sure that I'm not going that fast. I want to make sure I don't get pulled over. I don't want to get complicated. My life, because they can. He said, "For a tear, for you keep good works; you're not going to have a problem. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have the praise of the same. There'll be ab- ab- there'll be accommodations made. Verse number four. Read it with me, would you please? For he is the minister of God for thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil." He said, look, if you want to be a lawbreaker, then you ought to be fearful. You ought to be nervous. Because he doesn't have a gun on his hip for nothing. He doesn't have he doesn't have uh, handcuffs on his belt for nothing. And the Roman the Roman soldier doesn't have a sword for nothing. He doesn't bear the sword, he doesn't carry the sword for no reason. If you want to be a criminal, you want to be someone who is a lawbreaker, he said, he said you ought to be nervous. Because He doesn't do that for, for just for no reason. Verse 5, read it with me if you would please. For, for um, verse number 5, for everyone together. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, but also for conscience sake. He said, wherefore, when you see the word wherefore, He's saying, okay, I've shared this information to you. Now, because of this, you need to be obedient. You need to be a good citizen. Because in being a good citizen, you don't do it just so you don't go to jail. You do it because of conscience sake. You know, learning to obey the unenforceable is an important concept. When you and I only obey because there's consequences if we don't, that's a low level of obedience. Learn to obey the unenforceable. Well, my parents, they don't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And they won't get mad, or they won't, they're not going to kick me out of the house, or they're not going to do this, so I can do it, because y'all would break their heart to be disappointing to them, but I'm just going to do it anyway. It's a very low level of submission. Learning to obey that which is unenforceable. I, uh, I, I, the mask is a good example of that in my opinion. You and I have different opinions about masks. Some people have masks on right now because their health is compromised or they have concern not to make sure that uh, the, 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 uh, that they that they're that they're safe and other people are safe around them. You may not feel the same way. And if you don't wear your mask, no one's going to arrest you on the streets of our city. We're not going to pull you aside and security is not going to take you and say, "Hey, listen, you're not wearing your mask. What's wrong with you?" But you know, learning to submit to the unenforceable shows a spirit of subjection, humility, cooperation, and it's all through the Bible. The the Pharisees come to Jesus about His tithe and His custom, and He he said, what do we give to Caesar? What do we keep for ourselves?" And He said, well, you render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. You render to God the things that are God's. Jesus was watched like a hawk. They were watching him all the time. The only, thing, the only thing they could think they got him on, and they didn't get him because he was the Lord of the Sabbath, was Sabbath day actions. Healing people, doing something good on the Sabbath day. They thought that was a breaking of the law. Having a guy get healed who hadn't walked in years to pick up his bed and walk away. Ah, oh, you're, you're carrying your bed on the Sabbath day. Who did this? Well, the man who healed me told me to take my bed and go, so I'm going. Ah, he's a he's a heretic, he's a Beelzebub, he's from the devil. But you know all the other rules was Jesus a tither absolutely. He was everyone knew if he was a tither. In the old in the New Testament they stood and watched people give their offering. They had it, they, I'm sure they had a record of all that. He would do he, whatever he did he was constantly watched. And by the way whatever you do you're being watched. You may only be one person in the world, but you're the world of one person. Someone's watching you and they're giving their opinion of Jesus based upon your conduct, your actions, your bill paying, your tax evasion or tax paying, your attitude toward government officials. They're giving their opinion of God based upon you. That's what glory means. That's why God says, I want you, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That means giving others a good opinion of the God that you worship. He tells us that. Just quickly give you this government officials are here for two reasons. Your police officers are here for two things. Number one, for your safety. And number two, for your solvency. You do not want to live, I don't care what they're saying today, defunding police. You do not want to live in a society where no one's in charge. Your safety will be threatened, and your solvency, your ability just to do the normal things, will be threatened. If you do not have civil authorities. And God knew that, He put them in there, so uh, whenever you have a negative thing about, I don't care if it's the president, if it's the cabinet, I don't care if it's a senator, I don't care if it's a representative. We've got to be very careful, and especially our local police and authorities, that we're supposed to we need them for our safety and for our solvency. God put them in, in our lives for that. And if there is anybody that ought to have a testimony of understanding that, and submission, and cooperation, and gratitude, it ought to be the people in this room. It ought to be people who worship the Lord Jesus Christ. They ought to think, you know what, I don't understand you, I don't agree with you, I don't know why you sitting all these buses in here, I don't know all you are doing. They may not understand us, but they ought to respect us for our attitude and for our actions. Let's look at verse number 6, can we please? The second thing I want you to notice is not just the honoring of our leaders, but our honest living. We must hasten, but look real quickly. For this cause pay you tribute also. This is the reason you pay your taxes. For they are God's ministers. Your mayor needs to get paid. Your council members need to get paid. The people that run your garbage need to get paid. Your police officers need to get paid. They're God's he didn't say they're the city's ministers, they're the state's ministers, they're God's ministers. Attending continually upon this very thing of protecting our safety and our solvency. Verse number seven, render, that means release, or give, therefore to all their, due, their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom, fear or respect to those who, who respect is deserved. Honor to whom honor. He said, "I want you to monetarily and morally support your government officials by your by your taxes and by your respect and your honor." Verse number eight. Read it with me. Oh, no man, anything. This is the context here, and of course, I don't believe that debt. If you look at only one verse here, you might might say, and by the way, it's so important that you study the Bible in context. Okay, the context here is paying your taxes. Okay, that's one of the things in giving honor to whom honor is due. I don't think all debt is sinful. Okay, the Bible tells us that uh, the borrower is a servant to the lender. And um, so whenever you borrow what you are doing is you are uh, creating an additional master. I think it's best to be debt free. That's what I think every Christian ought to strive for and stay that way. Uh, But if you need to buy a house and you borrow money to buy a house I don't think that is a prohibition against God's Word. Other people may disagree. This is my opinion. Based upon the Scriptures I think God gives rules for debt. He gives rules for borrowing. So I don't think He would give us a rule for something He forbid completely. Um, so, I think we have that. But I will tell you this, that debt creates several things. It creates additional masters which create several other things. Discouragement. When you owe MasterCard, Visa, and Discover, and numbers of other folks, and you owe this for this, and over this for this, when you get your paycheck you cannot help but be discouraged. Because you, you know that the you know, MasterCard, I'm the master. No, you just hooked yourself to another master. Okay, what's discouraging? Debt distresses us. It causes stress. It's frustrating. Marriage is hard enough to get along whenever you have debt. You're asking it to be stress on steroids. It creates an additional stress. Debt oftentimes divides people. It creates division. And debt sometimes disqualifies people from doing what God wants them to do. They were supposed to be a missionary, but they got too much debt. God want them to give to this project, but they can't. They owe MasterCard and Visa, and they, they're behind on this one and behind on that one. They've created additional masters that when they get their money, God can't tell them what to do. He's got competition with the additional masters there. So the concept here is this, listen, you owe no man anything, but, you know, someone said debt is kind of like wetting your bed. Feels good for a second, but don't do it. You know, it complicates things really bad. And boy, it's so easy to say. Ah, oh, I'll just charge you, Dun dun, charge. Dun charge. I'm just going to get that now. I'm going to have. I'm going to have a good vacation, man. I'm going to have a good vacation. I don't care if I have to go in debt. Okay, you're going to you're going to regret that next January. I just have a, I just got to have a nice car, man. I have to have a nice car. I don't care if I have to pay payments for the rest of my life. You can do that, but you're going to create additional challenges. And I'm not saying that's, that's everyone's, it's not here to judge anybody, but I think you ought to be careful about debt. He said, listen, when it comes to money, try not to owe anybody anything, but to love them. When only you owe people, it's just to love them. And love is the fulfillment of the law. It's how we, it's, it's doing what God wants to do. He's going to share with us this, and we'll conclude today. Would you look at the next verses? Verse number Nine. For this, here's, he's going to share the, uh, the last five commandments. For thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, love keeps yourself pure. Thou shalt not kill. Love doesn't hate people, and it certainly doesn't take the life of another. Love doesn't steal something that doesn't belong to you from your, from your, from your company, from your neighbor, from your brother, your sister, from your mom, your dad, from anyone. Love does not bear false witness. It doesn't, it doesn't lie. Love does not covet. It. it doesn't want something else that belongs to another person's. If there be any other commandment, it's briefly command, uh, com- comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 10, read it with me, please. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. So how can I have a? I'd have a testimony. Number one of honoring my leaders, of being honest in my living, and humbly loving God and others. If people saw you, they should say, "You know what? That person—they're a good citizen. They honor their leaders. That person is honest in their dealings. They are humbly in love with God and others. Just being around them, you feel like you're loved." That's what God says to do. And you love people not only by saying I love you, but by keeping the commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, what will you do? You'll keep my commandments. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. Everything, all ten commandments, and any commandment God gave us when I keep them, I'm demonstrating I love Him, and I love you. That's the testimony we ought to have. The last part would be, and I'll just let you look at it later, but holy lifestyles. He's going to tell them, listen, based upon this, wake up. Don't sleep through your life. Live a holy life. Put away anything that's immoral. You'll see that in in verse number 13. Put 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 aside the party life, immorality. Put aside any kind of division, strife, or envy. And let's look at the last verse. Can we look at the last verse? Verse 14, are you ready? But put ye on... And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. He says, I want you to wear Jesus Christ. Just like you put on, I put on my jacket this morning. I chose it from this, and I put it on. The shirt I have, I put it on. The tie I have, I put on. What you have on today, you put it on. And you know, you, would, you could be able to go say, you know, Pastor wore this, the pinstripe gray suit today. But what you need to know about me is I wore Jesus today. I put on the testimony of Jesus today. Why? Because your testimony is important. And how you honor your leaders, how honest you are in your living, your giving, your responsibilities financially. He said you, you honor the Lord in humbly loving God and others. And you honor the Lord by living a holy lifestyle. Don't ever kid yourself. Don't say, you know, it, whatever I do, it only hurts me. No, it doesn't just hurt you. It hurts the testimony of Jesus. And we need a testimony that's right. We have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that we don't make provision for the flesh. Listen, if you mess up, you lost your temper, you've not forgiven someone, you got an issue, admit it and quit it. Go get it right. Why? Because of the testimony of Jesus. Because of the testimony of Jesus. If nothing else it's His testimony. In closing this morning may I just say I do not know my audience today completely beautiful people all through the auditorium but in every group of people there are people that are saved and people that are lost there're people that are forgiven and people who have not yet been forgiven by god there's people that are going to heaven there's people that are going to hell now, i don't know what group you're in but if you're here today or you're listening by way of the radio or internet and you're not sure if you were to die today you'd go to heaven i have not done a good job explaining that to you i've been preaching to christians today from the word of god about our responsibilities but if you are here today or you're listening and you're not sure if you die today, you go to heaven, you can know that. God loves you. And He has done all those need to be done so you could be saved. You can trust Him. We have to understand that we're sinners. We deserve hell. Only Jesus could save us. And we must put our faith in Him and only Him. The best day of my life is when I did that. And if you're listening today, you're not sure if you would have died today, you'd go to heaven. Let now be the day of salvation.